Chapter Two of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, A.B. M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Two Food and Nutrition. All food may be regarded as fuel, and the body as the furnace in which it is consumed. The object of food is to supply nutriment to the body and this nutriment is used in the production of heat and energy. When taken into the body, food undergoes the following processes. 1. Digestion. 2. Absorption. 3. Oxidation. 4. Excretion. There are five main classes of foodstuffs. 1. Proteins. 2. Fats. 3. Carbohydrates. 4. Mineral salts of W. Calcium, X. Sodium, Y. Potassium, Z. Magnesium, in total 6% of body weight. 5. Water, 60% of food and serving, among other things, to keep the body at a proper consistency. 1. Proteins. These include all foodstuffs containing nitrogen and are absolutely indispensable to the maintenance of life. An animal fed on a protein-free diet, no matter how generous or how abundant it may be, eventually starves to death. Proteins are divided into several subclasses, but three of which will be mentioned. 1. Albuminoids A white of egg b curd of milk c lean of meat d gluten of wheat two gelatinoids gelatin the best example three extractives contain nitrogen but differ from the two preceding in that they merely add zest to the food but have practically no nutritive value 2. Fats. Fats, roughly speaking, make up about 15% of the average individual and are generally taken into the body in the form of butter, cream, oils. The amount of fat varies very greatly in different individuals. 3. Carbohydrates. These substances are formed of carbon, C, hydrogen, H, and oxygen, O, the last two always appearing in the proportion to form water, H2O. Thus, starch has the chemical formula C6H10O5. It will be noted that the atoms of H are just twice as numerous as those of O. Thus, we have the proportion H2O. Bread, rice, and potatoes are examples of carbohydrate foods. Object of various foodstuffs. 1. Proteins. These are to build up tissue, and to a certain extent to be converted into other foodstuffs, such as fat and carbohydrate. They also serve as fuel to yield heat and muscular power. 2. Fats. 
these form an abundant source of heat and energy they are also useful in serving as a buffer to the body at various points where much friction occurs and in addition form the main reserve and storehouse upon which the body can make demands in times of necessity thus when food is withheld the body needs are primarily supplied by the overplus of fat the emaciation consequent upon long illness is chiefly due to the oxidation and using up of the reserve store of fat three carbohydrates in addition to their intrinsic food value these substances may be transformed into fats and used as such or else they may be used as fuel to supply the immediate body needs as mentioned above protein is the substance without which life cannot be sustained protein can to a certain extent be transformed into fat and carbohydrate and as seen above carbohydrate can be transformed into fat but neither fat nor carbohydrate can in any way be transformed into protein for neither of them contains the all-important element nitrogen hence a protein-free diet amounts in the long run to starvation and if persisted in for a sufficient length of time proves fatal from the foregoing it must not be imagined that a fat-free or a carbohydrate-free diet would in any way prove nourishing beneficial or healthful all three classes of foodstuffs are of paramount importance to the human body and must be taken in certain well-defined general proportions but stress must be laid on the fact that protein is an absolute necessity the energy and heat of the body are derived from the combustion of its foodstuffs as energy can be converted into heat the value of foodstuffs can be expressed in heat units the heat unit is called calorie a calorie is that amount of heat needed to raise a kilogram of water one degree centigrade the amount of heat given off from the human body has been measured with accuracy in a condition of rest a man gives off heat in twenty-four hours equivalent to about thirty-three calories per kilogram 2.2 pounds of body weight thus a man weighing 70 kilos 154 pounds gives off about 2310 calories 70 times 33 this amount must be supplied by foodstuffs in order to maintain a satisfactory state of nutrition it has been calculated that these 2,310 calories must contain about 500 grams of carbohydrate, 50 to 100 grams of fat, and 120 grams of protein. Rubner's figures are usually taken in calculating the caloric value of foods. According to his figures, one gram of protein produces four calories. One gram of fat produces 9.3 calories. One gram of carbohydrate produces 4.1 calories. Rubner gives the following standard dietary for a man of 70 kilos, 
154 pounds. Protein, grams, light work, 123, medium work, 127, heavy work, 165. Fat grams, light work, 46, medium work, 52, heavy work, 70, carbohydrate gram, light work, 377, medium work, 509, heavy work, 565. Calories, light work, 2,445, medium work, 2,868, heavy work, 3,362. Thus it will be seen that the average man doing medium work requires about 127 grams of protein daily. Not much more than 150 grams can be given without the appearance of symptoms of overfeeding gastric or intestinal derangements in feeding any individual the point to be borne in mind is not so much the maximum or minimum number of calories which the patient will tolerate or upon which he can exist as that amount upon which the patient will thrive best the following table gives the daily needs and calories of an adult weighing sixty five kilos 162.5 pounds. 1. During rest in bed, 1,800 calories or 28 calories per kilo of body weight. 2. In repose, 2,100 calories or 32 calories per kilo of body weight. 3. Light work, 2,300 calories or 33 calories per kilo of body weight. 4. Moderate work. 2,600 calories, or 40 calories per kilo of body weight. 5. Hard work. 3,100 calories, or 48 calories per kilo of body weight. Infants require more calories per kilo of body weight than do adults. This can readily be accounted for when we consider the tremendous growth and consequent tissue changes taking place in the infant. For first three months, an infant requires 100 calories per kilo of body weight. Second three months, an infant requires 90 to 100 calories per kilo of body weight. For second of six months, an infant requires 80 calories per kilo of body weight. Average cow's milk contains 320 calories per pint, 640 calories per quart. Eggs contain 720 calories per pound, the whites alone yielding 250 calories per pound, and the yolks 1,705 calories per pound. The white is pure protein, while the yolk contains numerous substances chief of which are 15% protein, 20% fat, besides lecithin, nucleum, salts of iron, calcium, potassium, and magnesium. Meats are best prepared by broiling or roasting. Bouillons and beef extracts consist mainly of extractives from the meat, and contrary to an idea almost universally prevalent among the laity, 
have practically no food value. The following table gives the caloric value per pound of the principal meats. Beef steak, 975 calories. Veal, 745 calories. Mutton, 890 calories. Lamb, 1,075 calories. Pork chops, 1,245 calories. Chicken, broilers, 305 calories. Turkey, 1,060 calories. Vegetables contain a large percentage of starch and sugar and a somewhat lesser percentage of protein. The number of calories needed daily by a man in health has been dwelt upon in some detail. When an individual is suffering with fever from any cause, from 20 to 30 percent, more heat is given off than in health. This must be made good by an increased caloric intake, or the patient will suffer. Especially is this true in long fevers, such as those caused by typhoid, tuberculosis, and rheumatic fever. In the shorter fevers, such as lobar pneumonia, the maintenance of the bodily strength by means of increased caloric feeding is not so important. If 25% be added to the normal amount required by the average man, 2,300 calories in 24 hours, we see that during fever from 2,800 to 2,900 calories in 24 hours will be needed. Foods whose caloric value is not very great can have that value raised by the addition of substances whose caloric value is very high, such as milk sugar, caloric value per ounce, 117, and cream, caloric value per ounce, 54. Qualitative changes can be made in foods which will counteract the enormous quantity that would have to be ingested to supply the caloric needs were the food as such given. For instance, if in a case of typhoid reliance were placed solely on a milk diet and the stock order, a glass of milk every two hours, carried into effect, the patient would be wretchedly undernourished. A glass of milk contains from six to eight ounces. One quart of milk produces 640 calories. Ten feedings will be about all the patient will get in 24 hours. He will, therefore, be given from 60 to 80 ounces of milk, practically two quarts, 1,280 calories, two-thirds of what he should really have. To meet the needs of the patient, five quarts of milk daily would be required, an obvious absurdity and impossibility. Laterally, the so-called high-calorie diet has been used with marked success in the treatment of typhoid fever, further reference to which will be made in the chapter on that disease. Administration of Food to the Sick Details One might almost say trivialities are of the greatest importance and are too often not sufficiently heeded by the nurse. Florence Nightingale wrote, Quote, to watch for the opinions which the patient's stomach gives rather than to read analyses of foods 
is the business of all those who have to settle what the patient is to eat perhaps the most important thing to be provided for him after the air he breathes an almost universal error among nurses is the bulk of the food and especially of the drinks they offer to their patients it requires very nice observation and care and meets with hardly any to determine what will not be too thick or too strong for the patient to take while giving him no more than he is able to swallow Unquote. the following are some important points to be noted in the feeding of the sick one punctuality to the invalid mealtime is an important event he looks forward to it with interest and with curiosity he eyes the clock a hundred times until the arrival of the appointed hour when that hour comes the meal also should come waiting until the stated time tends to sharpen the patient's appetite waiting beyond that time disappoints irritates and tends markedly to blunt the desire for food two do not ask the patient with a poor appetite what he wants to eat he does not want anything and if foods are named to him and his suggestions invited his repugnance becomes increased his appetite can best be stimulated by exciting his surprise and curiosity three untasted food dishes after use half-emptied cups and glasses should never be left in the sick-room they are unsanitary and often tend to nauseate the sensitive patient there is nothing more frequently seen in the sick-room and there are few things more disgusting than an empty unwashed glass that has contained milk four wipe dishes dry on the outside and take special care that the contents of cups are not spilled into the saucers five mutton or chicken broth should be skinned several times before serving blotting paper or a piece of thread can be passed over the surface to remove the last traces of oily substance six when the dietary is limited or the appetite is poor it is often well to serve the meal in courses time after time the writer has had patients complain that they lost all desire for food at once after the appearance of a large tray loaded down with all sorts of eatables from soup to dessert many of these same patients would have eaten well and with enjoyment had the same food been daintily served one course at a time seven do not offer food to the patient immediately after a bowel or bladder evacuation if the patient has just used the bedpan or urinal the nurse should make it very apparent that she has thoroughly cleansed her hands before busying herself with food End of chapter two